Hey guys, what's up? Hope here, and welcome to another episode of Hurricane Hope. I am Hope, and today I have a really awesome guest that I think you guys are going to absolutely love. Um, I have Kelly Barber, uh, who's the lead vocalist of the New Jersey rock band Wave Break, and hi. <laughs> hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, of course. Um, so for listeners who might not know you yet, uh, just introduce yourself and uh, yeah, tell them, tell them all about what you do. Yeah, um, I'm the lead vocalist, rhythm guitarist of Wave Break. Um, Wave Break started out in Boston, then I moved back to Jersey, had a few lineup changes. Now Wave Break is my solo project. Um, and Wave Break has been a thing for like three years now. So yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> which, is, which is crazy that it's been like over three years already because time, I mean, I think it's like COVID, but just the concept of time for me doesn't exist anymore. But you saying that like freaks me out because it makes me think about like how long I've actually known you. And mm -hmm. it, it has to be like six years at this point. And which yeah. is, I knew you when you released your EP Cold Reality. Mm -hmm. That was what, like 2014, I think? Yeah, 2014. Yeah. It was a long, long ass time ago. <laughs> what year were you born in? 94. Okay, so you're like a little bit younger than me. But yeah, that's crazy. That makes me like almost sick. But um, so I I want to like go way back because something that I'm always super into and like always pay attention to is where artists start out and how they build up to where they're at. Um, mm. It's just something that I think is really interesting to talk about. Um, so I want to go all the way back to that EP, the Cold Reality EP. So you started as a solo artist, very similar to how I started. We were both from New Jersey. We both played at a lot of the same venues. Um, we both played acoustically for a long time. And mm. it doesn't really showcase who you are as an artist. It doesn't really do anything for you because, you know, you don't really get to showcase um, how you hear the music in your head production wise, but also you're really confined and constrained when it comes to performing. But with that EP, I feel like you, I feel like you were breaking out of your own boxes. I remember the lead single, uh, My Own Contradiction, is that what it was called? Um. Technically, the first ever single I put out was a lead single. So that was the first one came out. But yeah, I guess technically that would be the lead single when the EP was coming out. So yeah, and you were building up a really strong base on Twitter, especially. I remember like when we found each other, I think we were both like using Crowdfire or something to grow our pages. And yeah. tools, tools like that were super, super helpful back then. But when it came to that record, did you feel like at that time that was the most authentic you that you could be on a recording as opposed to, you know, like playing acoustically live? I think My Own Contradiction was probably the closest to it. Um, the other songs on that EP, I just remember they weren't really fully representative of where I wanted to go because it was, those were the first songs I had ever recorded. I didn't really know what I was doing back then. So the songs came out like really really poppy and that wasn't really what I wanted. Um, so, so yeah, I think my own co contradiction was, I was probably the closest to what I was going for. Um, it had both acoustic guitar and it blended that with electric guitar and all that. Um, but I don't think I ever fully felt like the rest of the EP was where I truly wanted to go at that point. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that single in particular, like, really showed who you were because you got to dabble in a lot of different things. You got to perform, you got to play acoustic guitar, like you mentioned, electric guitar as well. So I feel like at that time, it was just like all the pieces of you. And then it's it's kind of hard too, like when you have, um, you know, you go into the studio for the first time, you're really just trying to bring your vision to life. And mm -hmm. it feels almost frustrating when you don't know how to explain what's in your head. Um, yeah. Did you experience that when you were making that record? Yeah, I think at first it was, I just had no idea what I was doing because I would just come to the studio with my guitar and the lyrics and just be like, I want to record, but I had no idea what I wanted to sound like. So I kind of just let the producer um, just take the reins with that and come up with all of the lead guitar parts and the bass and the drums and everything. And I would just be like, that sounds great. I don't really know what I want, but that sounds good. Um, but I think once I recorded the second half of the EP, which came a little bit later, I had a little bit more of an idea of how to explain certain things and I was actually starting to come up with some ideas for like 
I guess, lead guitar parts that I couldn't exactly play myself um, and having more input on the drums and things like that. So I think as time went on, I was able to more effectively communicate that with the producer, but definitely when I first started, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's so interesting, like hearing you just talk about this record alone, because you and I really are like very parallel in the term or in, in the ways that we have like continued on in our careers. We released our, you know, our trial and error EPs around the same time. Mine was in 2013 and then yours was in 2014 and nobody will ever like hear that record because it's just so <laughs> fucking terrible. Um, and then we both released our more like authentic kind of EPs um, in 2015, yours was called Breaking Barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to talk about that because, like, I remember, I remember you putting all of yourself into that record. And that was what transitioned you into Wave Break, which is mm-hmm. the same thing for me with my last EP, which was called Prevail, that really, like, went over into Vista stuff. Um, so I would love to hear about, like, what sparked the shift in gears between the Cold Reality EP and the Breaking Barriers EP, did you just like figure yourself out more in the studio and you were just able to more authentically communicate what it was that you wanted to sound like? Yeah, so I think between Cold Reality and Breaking Barriers, it was kind of weird because those EPs kind of overlapped a little bit because I was recording some of Breaking Barriers at the same time as Cold Reality, which was weird, but- crazy to me. I don't know how you did that. (laughs) I would lose my mind if I was trying to do projects at the same time. (laughs) It was really weird. Like, I think, like, at one point for Cold Reality, like, I had two singles that were out, didn't know what to do with them, and then I had a couple songs sitting around that I just decided to record and make an EP out of it. But Breaking Barriers was the one that I was, like, actually, like, wanting to spend time on and make a whole project out of. Um, But I think- the difference between those two is I think once I recorded those the second two songs on Cold Reality I I kind of thought that the direction I wanted to go in was more of like a raw production kind of thing because a lot of other people were getting into like super um, polished production and I thought that would be something that could help me stand out um, and just something that I wanted to expand in so the EP was very very raw the vocals weren't weren't um, produced perfectly. They weren't like tuned to perfection or anything like that. There wasn't a lot of production on the vocals um, and the instruments were just, there wasn't any extra production on them. It was literally just the instruments. Um, So that's pretty much where I was going with that, so. It was like a full, I feel like that EP was like a full concept, like a packaged concept. And then um, the, the EP before that was more of like, um, well, I'm figuring things out while I also am fleshing out a full-blown concept idea. And then once (laughs) that one was out, you shifted to putting your energy into really building that kind of concept. And honestly, like, I think that, you know, today in production, it's all about like the bells and whistles. And, you know, I've, I grew into that as well as I got older because I, I always have enjoyed experimentation and I think, you know, being multifaceted can be a good thing if it's done with like authenticity, but you never hear anybody saying nowadays like, oh, well, I don't want any of that. I just want it to be me and my writing and my, you know, and, and exactly how I wrote it. The thing that I think of when I, um, when I first heard that record was this sounds like it would at a live show and you don't really hear that very often. Did you, um, when I don't remember when you were playing shows to promote that record, you were still doing acoustic shows, right? Yeah. Um, there weren't too many shows promoting that one because not long after that, um, I was kind of starting to think I I wanted to switch gears a little bit. Um, mainly because like you said, there aren't many people who want to not have, uh, the full-blown production and I feel like that was kind of the downfall of that EP because I got actually a little bit of backlash because of that um production approach because um I remember once I pitched it to this uh publication in that was based in Philly I think it was called Junk Philly um and they pretty much said it sounds great but it sounds like a live album and it's not really something that we want to write about so I was like cool um, but that, and I, some people like on Twitter, I guess 
also said that they were like, oh, you need, you need vocal lessons. Like, it doesn't sound like, like you really know what you're doing. And I'm like, cool, but I do. It just wasn't produced as much as with other artists. So I feel like after that happened, I was kind of like, maybe this isn't the right approach to go in because this is kind of just hurting me in the long run. So after that, I was pretty much like, I just need to completely switch gears and figure out something else. So that's what sparked the shift to wave break then. Yeah. Do you feel like this is a question that I have asked myself repeatedly and this had a lot to do with why I started Vista. Um, as a woman, do you feel like having a band is necessary for others to pay attention? Yeah, I feel like pretty much as soon as I started wave break, it was a lot easier to get other people's attention um when i was solo it was very very difficult i i had somewhat of a following on twitter but i feel like it didn't really translate into like album sales or any or streams on spotify or anything like that so but then once i started wave break it actually started to translate somewhat onto those platforms so definitely as soon as i made that switch i think that definitely helped so it's weird. one thing yeah no sorry go ahead uh, yeah, it's also one thing I'm just worried about with going a solo again with Wavebreak, but I'm hoping that since we, Wavebreak already kind of somewhat got a start, it might go differently, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> weird too, because like, you know, in my case, it was just, it was just taking out my first name and just using my middle name as the band name. So it was like recognizable, but it wasn't just a woman. So mm -hmm. I felt like when I added guys to the situation, I'm talking like original Vista lineup, which was years ago at this point, like almost five years ago now. Yeah. And all of a sudden, as soon as I had two like decent looking dudes in the picture, well, all <laughs> of a sudden, like the likes start going up and people start wanting to listen. And it makes you think like, was it me? Like, do people, am I not somebody that, you know, they want to pay attention to because I'm not someone that they might want to date or am I am I just not good enough on my own and the guys behind me make me you know look better you know there were so many questions yeah. that I started asking none of which were were really relevant um because I knew that I I I know that I'm talented on my own but it's it's I feel like it's more about the image part of it where it's like okay well now you just look better or now you know you don't look like you're by yourself and there's other people that I can look at because I might not want to look at you you know what I mean like mm -hmm. it's those weird kind of questions and I always wonder you know with people who go from solo to band especially um and now we see people kind of doing the opposite now we see a lot of people going from band to solo but I just always wonder how people feel about that because I always wonder if it was just me kind of beating myself up for not being good enough as a woman or if it's um, or if it's a thought that everyone has now based on the way that society is, you know, it's very misogynistic and I don't really talk about these kinds of things often, but it's just, you know, it's always kind of like, it's always just kind of there. And it's interesting you say like, oh, as soon as I had three guys behind me, well, now it seems like people are starting to pay attention. Maybe that's not a coincidence, you know? Yeah, I feel like there's some kind of there's some kind of a stigma between female musicians because people. I mean, you're you're starting to see a lot more female musicians pop up in the scene. Still not nearly enough, but I still feel like there's some kind of stigma stigma uh, behind female musicians because a lot of people still think like, oh, like this person doesn't actually know how to play their instrument, or they don't know what they're doing, or they don't really have that much input in the music. They're kind of just there. Like, I feel like there's still that kind of stigma, even though nine times out of 10, that's not true. Yeah, it's, so. usually, it's usually the opposite case, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> there's an artist, I don't know, I'm sure you know who this is, but there's an artist that I absolutely love. Her name's Diamante, and <laughs> she is, um, she's a solo hard rock artist, like very yeah. similar to, um, she really reminds me of like a mix of like, uh, like uh, the lead singer of Hailstorm and like Courtney Love, but in like yeah. her own kind of thing. I look at her and I'm like, shit, that's like everything that I was trying to do when it was just me. And this is the only person that I have really truly seen, um, you know, find a good level of success doing this on her own. There's not a, there's not a market for it, which is like, there's like room for one at a time. And now she's on the throne and there was just not a market for it back then. Now I think it's evolving a lot, but, um, you know, even just like looking back five years ago, it's like nobody wanted that. They wanted bands that they could see. Yep. 
And it feels like pressure, honestly. Like, I don't know if you feel pre- felt pressure to start Wave Break, but like, I felt very pressured to start Vista because everyone was telling me, I oh, just start a band. Like, you know, yeah, dominance is cool. And like, you know, you sound good on your own, but you could be even bigger with a band. And I'd be like, why? <laughs> like, why do I have to do that? So I don't know about you, but I just felt like a lot of pressure back then. Yeah, I, I definitely felt that same pressure. Um, because I was definitely trying to just figure out like, why aren't people paying attention to me? Like I'm doing everything I can. And I was the only thing I can think of was probably need to start a band. Um, So, and then I feel like once I did that, it helped a little bit, mainly also because it helped pretty much reflect the energy of the project, like live and things like that too. But definitely I feel like that, that, that definitely did help. And that's a good point too. Cause like I did have a live band towards the end of Hope Vista stuff um, for like the last year or so, but, and, and it did bring everything to life so much more. Cause when you can like put down the guitar, I know you still play guitar live like 90% of the time, but like when I was able to put down, down the guitar and I haven't played guitar live in like five years, it's been incredible. Cause I'm not as strong of a guitarist as you or like anybody else, but, um, but that changed the game because now it's like, okay, well, you know, now I'm not acoustic. Now they can see the entire picture of what I'm trying to convey, not just a small part of it, not just one yeah. stem of it, you know? The acoustic yeah. guitar is one stem of it and usually not even on the final track. So like, <laughs> I always felt like the live show played into it a ton, primarily because of what you said, energy. And when people yeah. feel energy on stage, I feel like they feel it within themselves. When it's acoustic, they're like, okay, I don't really know what to do. Like I'll clap, I'll sway, whatever. But when it's really energetic, it can get popping. And I've, yeah. seen, I've seen you play before with Wave Break and the difference is crazy just in the energy alone. Yeah, and when I was solo playing acoustic, like half the time I would say on stage, this song is on iTunes and Spotify, but it sounds different because it's full band, but go check right. it out because this isn't what it sounds like actually. So. And you like want everyone to know exactly who it is that you are because yeah. that's what converts people to sales. I feel like if they don't get a full picture of your artistry on stage, they're not no. going to feel compelled to go and check you out on Spotify, iTunes, or go to your merch table even because mm. they don't know who you are. They can't connect that way. I yeah, never exactly. could connect to people with an acoustic guitar because like, you know me, yeah. like I go all over the fucking place on stage. So <laughs> I always felt very, very confined. But even with you playing guitar live on stage with your band, you were still able to feed off of all of the other energy on stage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely love having the energy of being able to, you know, feed off of my bandmates energy on stage. Cause it, definitely helps especially because I'm by nature like a shy person so when I'm by myself on stage I feel like I just feel awkward on stage sometimes when I have other people um with me on stage it really helps me come out of my shell a little bit on stage so it definitely helps me feel more comfortable up there too it's adrenaline it's confidence (laughs) it's and then you come off and it all fades away and you're like what the fuck but no I I totally understand that completely so um I want to delve into a lot about wave break because wave break has been through some changes over the last few years um and but but you've accomplished a lot with wave break like you have been able to do so much in a really short period of time um and I think that's really important to pay attention to because the core of wave break is you you are the person that started wave break you are the person that has, um, you know, spearheaded the project from the get-go. Um, mm. So now Wavebreak, I'm going to go backwards. Wavebreak is now a solo entity, and you're mm-hmm. planning on keeping the name Wavebreak. Yeah. The project. So are you planning on looking for new members, or are you planning on keeping it you, since you are the core of it, for now at least, until, you know, live shows come back but what is the process for you now in terms yeah, of yeah i'm definitely not in a rush to find bandmates right now especially because of with covid we can't play shows anyway so that would be the biggest reason to get bandmates right now um but i feel like at this point i kind of just want to wait until i find the right people and yeah. I, I know that they're going to stay because wave break has already been like through like several lineup changes and I don't want to keep confusing people who are following Wave Break with that. So I feel like it's just better to just keep it me for a while. 
Um, and then once shows start coming back, maybe I'll get some fill-in musicians for shows. And then if I really click with someone and they want to join Wave Break permanently, then maybe they'll join down the line, but I'm not going to rush to find people to join right now. So For sure. Yeah. And I want to ask you kind of like a tough question because it's something that, again, you and I are totally parallel on. The first lineup of Vista was gone within four months. And then the same lineup stayed for four years. So it was like, you know, and yeah, it was two people for a long time. We just added a drummer like towards the end of it. Um, But I totally understand like just the utter frustration of not being able to find the right fit for the the vision. Um, Mm -hmm. And also understanding too that like you have to compromise with a lot of stuff. Um, because not everybody is going to match 100% to the vision that you started with. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's why like Vista always shifted over the years is because there was like a lot of compromise and just like a lot of different conversations about, you know, changing different things. But it's like, it's dating. And that's what my first manager told me. He said, finding band members is like dating. You are constantly going on terrible dates and you know that they're not the person for you. So you don't go on a date with them again. And then you do the process like 50 more times. And then finally you find the right fit for you. You get married, you have kids, you're happy, whatever. But like being in a band is essentially the same thing. You're dating and then you are married to those people. So, um, so do you feel like going through the original lineup of Wave Break from a couple years ago, do you feel like it was rushed? Yeah, I definitely feel like it was rushed because I just wanted to get going ASAP with it. So um, I was trying to find people on Craigslist and really just looking for literally anyone. And I don't- Well, that's dangerous. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, um, I I was kind of just like, cool, you can play well, you like the music, you want to join Wave Break, cool, you're in. But I didn't really like, delve deep enough into like, well, what are your goals? Like, what's your work ethic? Like, um, you know, things like that, which are really important as well. So um, I feel like that was part of the downfall for that, because you need to have people, not only you get along with, but people who you work well musically with and people who have the same goals as you, people who want to work on the same kind of music as you. Um, There's just so much that goes into it that I didn't realize I had to be looking for and that I kind of overlooked at first because I just wanted to be in a band and get something started so um yeah (laughs) like like dating literally though like you can like someone and be like oh my god I want to I want to be your girlfriend and then you find out that they're a serial killer or like some crazy shit you know what I mean um and I just ask the tough questions because I've experienced the exact same shit where I rushed into you know announcing a lineup for Vista weeks after I dropped my own record which was like one honestly the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life was not promoting that prevail record the right way and just Mm -hmm. being like well fuck that like expensive ass good record that I just dropped I'm shifting to Vista now because it's what everyone wants me to do and Mm -hmm. it backfired on me you know the week after or the weekend that we dropped our first record versus you know my Mm -hmm. my drummer quit so I I get it and like you know I, I feel like there's no um there's nothing wrong with like regretting rushing certain things because guess what then you don't make those same mistakes you know but um but it led you to an awesome EP um, called Armory. And based on, you know, so you had some of those songs written before. Was it collaborative? Were they all written before? Well, I don't want to get into, I'm not going to ask you like why the band members left. Cause that's like, you know, it's, uh, that's personal. It's not my business, but I just wonder were the songs collaborative um, were the other members in the studio writing with you. Did they play on the tracks? What was the whole process like with those newer members coming into previously existing songs? Yeah. So the first two songs, Deadlock and Plaster City, I had started recording in the studio uh, before I had the original lineup actually, because they were originally going to be solo songs. And then um, once I decided that I was going to start the band thing and then I had the bandmates, then I was like, all right, well, let's turn these into uh, songs for the band. So we went back in the studio and re-recorded their parts. Um, So those two songs were written way before uh, Wave Break started. Um, And then I think, a few of the other songs were written uh, during the process of recording some of the other songs, but pretty much all the songs started out with just me writing the chords and lyrics myself, and then I would bring them to the band during practice, 
um, and then we would just come up with the other parts and then we just go and record them. So that's, that's pretty much how most of, we, that's pretty much how all of Armory came to be. And then Out of Breath was a little bit different where we were writing some music parts and then I wrote lyrics on top of that and then we took it to the studio, but. Yeah, I think, um, I think Armory was, A, it was so different from all of the other stuff you had done before that. But mm -hmm. I want to I wanna just ask a question because you said that some of the songs like Plaster City, which was the second single off of that EP, those were supposed to be solo tracks. You had re-recorded one of the solo tracks that you um, mm -hmm. did um, under a different name, which was <laughs> really short. So I have to ask, um, I think I remember seeing you, I'm a creep, I remember everything. I think I remember seeing you say that um, you went under Kelly Circo for a while. And I think I remember you saying that was your mom's maiden name. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm so creepy. I remember literally everything. Um, but then that is really what led into Wave Break. So it was still a solo entity. It was just, do you think, it, how do I word this? Would you call it a rebrand or would you just call it more of a transition, I guess? I feel like that period of time where I went by that name was kind of a stepping stone to wave break. Cause that was me being like, well, I know I need to rebrand because what I'm doing isn't working, but I don't think I really fully at that point knew that I, it, what I wanted to do was a band. Mm -hmm. um, so I just completely rebranded, wanted to come up with a, like a stage name to go by. Um, and I just kind of chose that. Um, but, but yeah, that was definitely just like a stepping stone into wave break, I think, because I think I was already moving towards a direction of like of recording more upbeat pop punk esque songs. And that was kind of the direction I wanted to go in. But wave break was kind of like the full blown, like, this is where it's going to be. And this is what it is now and all that. So, yeah. And I think too, like the first EP for wave break I definitely think that was more geared towards like a more pop punk emo combo kind of sound, like more of a fusion. But now mm -hmm. I feel like you're wanting to shift more over into like an alternative based mm -hmm. sound. Um, yeah. Do you feel like that's just like natural evolution or is it more of like what you're listening to now? Is it more of what you're interested in now? Do you feel more comfortable writing alternative over pop punk? Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like it's- 10 questions. That was like 10 questions in one shot, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, it's all good. Um, I feel like it's definitely a natural progression because I've definitely been listening to like a lot of different kinds of bands that aren't quite as poppy. Um, like one of them being bands like Too Close to Touch that are kind of like, uh, kind of like post hardcore-ish, but more like more rock than yeah. uh, pop punk. So I've been listening to like a lot of bands like that. And then on top of that, while writing this new EP, I've definitely been in a different headspace than I was when writing the new EP. It's definitely like a darker um, EP than Armory was. I think Armory was like a lot, most of it was like a lot sassier than um, what, what the new one is gonna be, but it's definitely like a natural progression. It's just pretty much just what's coming out now. So, um, but yeah, that's, I, I feel like when I started Wavebreak, I didn't necessarily want it to be a pop punk project. like when we were coming up with names for the band, I was like, I don't want it to be like a pop punk name. I just want it to be something that could pretty much be anything. Like universal, so, yeah. I think too, know. like, you know, a lot of people shame bands, especially like the biggest example I could think of is Fallout Boy, because, you know, a band can't do the same record 10 times in a row, especially with a band who's been around that long. But every band evolves naturally, just based on what they're listening to, how trends in music change and how they relate to those trends. But also like writing changes over time, you know, someone's not going to write the same songs as they did when they were 18 as they are when they're yeah. in their mid to late 20s. It's just different. So I yeah. think natural evolution is really important. And, you know, even though, you know, maybe with the Armour EP, you weren't looking to do a 100% like pop punk record. I don't think it came out that way. I think you had a lot of different elements pushed into one to create a really, um, a really like diverse sound yeah. in rock. There's songs that are more pop punk. Like I would probably say Deadlock, the lead single is more 
like a straightforward pop punk. And then there's other songs that are more, um, you know, more simplistic and more like 2000s emo, which is kind of like what you were going for on the Breaking Barriers EP, more like, you know, early 2000s influence kind of thing. I can hear all the different Kellys in, <laughs> in that record. Do you, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I definitely wasn't going for any one particular sound with pretty much any of the EPs I'm done and not even on the new one. It's pretty much just what came out at that time. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to like just pigeonhole myself and be like, I have to come out with songs that sound like this. Like pretty much just what comes out is what it's going to be. So yeah. that's pretty much how it ends, ends up being like all of the songs come out sh uh, sounding a little bit different. So. Yeah, but they all sound cohesive. And that's like, that's my favorite word in music to use is cohesive because, you know, something that I always was very important to me when we were doing any branding stuff was like, this has to all be, this has to match, like it has to go together. Um, but then, you know, it's okay to have outliers too, because it shows, um, it shows expansion and it shows experimentation and it's important to experiment. Otherwise, how the fuck is anyone going to grow? Like, look at like um, uh, the mania album, the fallout boy album. Literally that was like, what the fuck were you guys doing? But it turned out to be, in my opinion, an awesome record because yeah. they just did whatever the hell they wanted. And I love that. But you yeah. can still hear the band and that's how I feel. Um, you know, the armory EP was, but um, so you played a ton of shows doing um you know promoting that ep played a lot of out-of-state shows especially up in like the new england area which you know people always say is a really tough area but we actually always had a really good experience up there especially in um you know the boston area and in connecticut um i think i remember seeing you doing a show uh, was it at bungalow in new hampshire yeah yeah, yeah. That, that, that was an interesting market um yeah. it's like a d market but it was honestly really fun um <laughs> what was it like to like break out of that acoustic bubble and start to spread your music in other places but now having that full band to complement the vision it's it's like a totally big change yeah it was definitely scary because I definitely hadn't done that before like when I was solo the first time I hadn't played beyond Jersey a couple times in Philly and a couple times in New York City and that was it um but it was definitely scary because I was like, there's not going to be anybody here. Like nobody oh, yeah. be here trying to listen to us. Like it's not going to go well, but we definitely had some shows. It didn't go that great, but definitely a handful. Yeah. 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 Like, like especially that New Hampshire show that we played, that one was really fun because everyone was there to just check out new music and wow. there were a ton of great bands on that lineup. And I remember being like, I don't know how we're gonna follow up after the, these bands like these bands are so much better than we are blah 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 like but um once we finally went on everyone was was uh enjoying it so it was definitely a lot of fun and we had definitely had a few shows like that that definitely exceeded my expectations so yeah. um it's definitely scary but definitely worth it and a lot of fun so i'm hoping covid ends soon so that we can start doing it again but yeah honestly like this is gonna sound so bad but like I'm so glad I'm not touring anymore because it stopped at like the right time like everything lined up and it's like it's such a gamble and especially mm -hmm. now with COVID you know I've always not wanted to make this a COVID centric chat but I think it's important to mention here because I don't think a lot of people understand like the impact that not the impact of not having any like financial aid or any aid really at all for the mm -hmm. concert industry. It's affected mm -hmm. a lot of people that I know that work for Live Nation, including one of my best friends, Danny, but also mm -hmm. the artists. Like it's such a, it's meant to be such a safe and comfortable space for artists and listeners to go to. And mm -hmm. besides that, all these people are out of work. It's such a big blow to the industry and the fact that it's completely unknown when it's going to come back, but you know, political rallies are allowed to happen. I don't want to get political, but I think that's important to note because it's something we saw yesterday in Pennsylvania. Mm. Um, it's just, it's, it's life-changing. That's the best way I can describe it. It's life-changing and it's terrible. And I wish, I, I hope, even though I'm not on that side anymore, I hope for everybody else whose life revolves around touring with work or with passion, that it's able to come back in a capacity where it works for everybody again. And just the uncertainty of it is so, like, 
it's mind blowing to me how that industry is forgotten in all mm. of it. Mind blowing. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like the music industry is definitely probably one of the only industries that really still gives a shit about uh, social distancing and all of that. And I feel like it's yeah. really struggling because of that. A lot of venues are already closing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of venues that I had hoped to be able to play one day. So I'm really um, mm-hmm. definitely worried about that. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's going to come back in some capacity over time. Um, mm-hmm. We're living in an age where, you know, there are so many other tools for people to utilize to still create for listeners, mm-hmm. even though it's not the same kind of content and it's not that same type of energy um, yeah. as you would get from a live show it still allows people to connect in a more personable way. So I think at least that is still there, if anything. But, you know, yeah. there's, I could talk about the concert industry being destroyed by COVID just all day because it makes me so angry, you know, for the people that I, for everybody, but especially for the people that I care about. Most of my friends work in the music industry. So it's like, it's just such a blow. And I really hope that for everybody, it just is able to come back, you know, safely and you know as soon as humanly possible but i don't want to delve too much into covid because i have a lot of thoughts <laughs> about a lot of things we're in an election year people um, very hyped up but um so i want to shift to uh like the 2020 era of wave break because it's already experienced a couple different kind of shifts uh, but every artist has what what artist hasn't experienced shifts this year you know with covid um mm-hmm. But you released a single called Out of Breath, which was, Mm -hmm. I think, in my opinion, a big sonic shift from Armory. I think it was more mature. I think it was more developed overall. And I feel like you had a better grasp on who you were at that time. Mm -hmm. It was just like, not even turning a new page. I just felt like it was a stronger showing of, okay, this is who Kelly is in Wave Break. Yeah, I feel like by the time uh, we were doing Out of Breath, I feel like we pretty much had a grasp on the sound um, we were doing. I say we, but it's really just me now. But um, but definitely <laughs> definitely had a grasp on the sound that we were doing, and I feel like we definitely wanted to uh, expand on that. I think um, I've definitely on the new stuff been trying to like push my guitar playing a little bit more, push my vocal range a little bit more, and I feel like that this that single was definitely the beginning of showing that you're there's definitely going to be a lot more of that on the new ep um but yeah i feel like it's just the result of trying to push what we were already doing and just tried to make it better and more impactful so you feel like playing guitar is just as important for you in wave break as as vocals i definitely consider myself more of a vocalist than a guitarist um, because I'm solid on rhythm guitar. I still can't really do lead guitar. Um, (laughs) Yeah, guitar has always just been a way for me to like accompany my songwriting and over time I just I guess I got pretty solid at rhythm guitar but um, definitely I think I'm more of a vocalist than a guitarist because I've had more training in in that respect Um, and I feel like that's more important for me to really get, get, uh, get well, I guess, to do it well. So. Yeah. I just asked because, you know, for as long back as I can think of, you know, you've been playing guitar while you're performing. And I feel like at a certain point it becomes like an extra appendage for people. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's part of who they are as a performer. But I've also seen you, um, you know, with some of the wave break shows, you stepped away from the guitar and you mm-hmm. got the chance to perform. Did it feel weird to do that? At first, it definitely did because I didn't know what to do with my hands. I know. <laughs> so. Oh my god, it gets. I, I was always known for doing like some weird like thing with my hands, and I was like, "It's dance." I grew up in dance. I'm a dance instructor. All I can think of is like weird, you know, like motions, and you're like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And I was yeah. like, "And I just need something to do with my hands while I play." Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. I definitely did not have, do not have a background in dance, so I don't have that going for me. Um, but uh, I definitely at first it was really awkward, but I feel like as time went on and I did it a few more times, I started to get a grasp of how to do it. Um, I haven't done it in a while because I was pretty much just only doing it on covers because I was um, playing guitar for all the original songs. And I think assuming that old lineup was going to stay, we were going to come up with some original songs that I wouldn't be playing guitar on. And then we would expand into that. Right. Um, but, but yeah, it was 
definitely awkward at first, but I think over time it got a little bit easier. And then going forward, if I get to do it a bit more, it'll definitely start to come a lot more second nature probably, but. No, it does. Absolutely. But um, yeah. did you guys play with tracks? I can't remember if you guys played with tracks. We never did except for, I think, whenever we were doing our cover of Complicated by Avril. Yes. Um, had like a backing track of the acoustic guitar. And I think the one time we got to play Out of Breath in that show we did in March before COVID hit, um, we, we started doing a backing track for that because of the the first part of the song with the lo-fi intro, we, we had that on the backing track and also yeah. the lead guitar part since we don't have a lead guitar player. But yeah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> what happened? Sorry, I'm getting a phone call. Okay. And my screen just like went off and I freaked out. I thought the whole thing stopped recording. I was going <laughs> to die. Um, I completely lost my train of thought. No, tracks. So, yeah. um, so with tracks, I, I always like to know if people, um, you know, use, use tracks at shows because I feel like in certain situations it adds a level of um, just like extra energy, I guess, because then you, it can sound more like the recording, you know, it's just mm. more familiar to people who know the tracks. But for Wave Break, I've always felt like you know, much like with your Breaking Barriers EP where you wanted it to be more organic production. I feel like that honestly carried over into, into Wave Break. You don't really have a lot of the extra kind of, um, you don't really, you don't use synths. You don't really play with pads at all. I feel like you are really strong on keeping it organic in yeah. any way that you can while sounding yeah. polished still. Yeah, exactly. That definitely carried into Wave Break. Um, also partly because I had never experimented with that kind of stuff before, and I don't really know yet how to incorporate that into, uh, the music I'm doing. Um, but I'm definitely thinking of potentially trying to put some of that kind of stuff on the new EP to see yeah. if it fits. We were going to do that with Out of Breath, but then we were like, it doesn't really fit here, so we're not right. going to do it. Um, so why add it, you know, if it doesn't fit? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, we're going to see if we can fit it on the new EP, and if, it does fit, then we'll do it. But if not, then we're just going to keep it raw. So yeah, and I think that's the best way to go about it. Because one thing that I've always um, not found frustrating, but just never really made sense to me is when people start to add stuff, like just to add stuff when it's, mm. you know, it's already like kind of finished, um, mm. or it sounds like it's, you know, the full picture. So mm. I think that's a really like, in my opinion, I think just based on other bands I've listened to recently, it's a unique approach because now everybody wants to use tracks and I'm a hypocrite because like we heavily used tracks, but we had to because a lot of our music was electronic. But, um, yeah. you know, now I feel like everybody is wanting to start to add all of those kind of, you know, all the MIDI stuff and all the synth stuff and all the extra production on something that's already done. So I think that's a good approach. And I think that, you know, without a breath, especially, it's still straightforward, like the Armory P, but like, you know, you toy with different stuff on the intro, you toy with diff different stuff melodically. And I think that is going to be a great segue into the other wave break stuff that you're going to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, uh, funny you say that everyone was, everyone seems to be trying to do like tracks now. I feel like that's partly a result of maybe the mainstream industry like shifting to pretty much entirely like pop music yeah, no, actually sure. here up until recently haven't really been hearing many mainstream songs with guitar on them but i feel like that's probably going to start switching back because now you're hearing like machine gun kelly doing pop punk music yes. um and things like that so i feel like it's going to start switching back to like being more raw and i feel like as a result we might start to see people in the alternative scene start to switch back to making it be a bit more raw so yeah I think everything kind of cycles its way back at some point but mm -hmm. um you know like mainstream music does play a huge part in it because like just for me personally I don't really listen to much rock music anymore I am mm -hmm. I am like almost I'm probably like 90% pop music and it's not because mm -hmm. I lost interest in it it's just because I think like my personal tastes just like evolved a little bit and as I grew as a person like just my tastes for what felt comfortable in my ear changed. Like, for example, when I was in middle school, I was angry as all fuck. So of course I was listening to like angry rock music that I found on pure volume, you know? Mm. But now, you know, I don't feel angry, so I'm just gonna, you know, maybe listen to more chill music because I'm a little more chill. But I think with bands too, like, 
you know, the track thing and also added production. It's a personal taste thing, but I think it definitely parallels like what is blowing up on the radio. There really mm-hmm. isn't much radio now, but like what's on New Music Friday? What is yeah. getting onto the Spotify playlists? That's a big yeah. thing too, is people wanting to earn placements. Um, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> but it's definitely parallel. I mean, so with the stuff that you're writing now for Wave Break, um, do you think that it's more... Uh, do you think that it's more in tune with out of breath or are you shifting gears and continuously shifting gears with sound? I think it's, it definitely has elements of out of breath, but I feel like it, it continued to go down the road that out of breath started going down. I feel like out of breath was more of like a stepping stone from Armory to the new, the new stuff. Yeah. Um, definitely has the elements of some more interesting rhythm guitar parts and, um wider vocal ranges and things like that and more dynamic changes but i think the overall vibe just feels a little bit more different it's definitely overall a darker album than past um wave break stuff um it's not you know it's not quite as like sassy as some of the old songs were but it's definitely darker more introspective um and i learned recently that introspective hard introspective songs are some of the hardest songs for me to write but I don't know if you've noticed that, but, um, but yeah, it's definitely going down that road, I think. I feel like for me, the introspective thing, I've always been very pensive, like since I was a little kid, like when I was eight or no, I was, I was 10 years old and I was at my grandma's house and I was writing music in her basement and I wrote a song called Tombstone. And it was like about me being 10 years old, being like succumbing to the devil in a graveyard. And my mom was insanely concerned. Like she thought something was really wrong with me. Um, but I was like, no, I'm just really sad. Like I was a very sad kid. There was a lot going on at home. So that's why I was so sad. But that was my way of getting out that sadness was in creepy music that scared the living shit out of my mom. Um, but the introspective thing, I think just, it comes with, um, it comes with time because you become more comfortable looking into yourself. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, for Vista stuff, I was always writing very, very dark stuff. I never wrote about relationships for Vista. It was always based on how I was personally feeling. The only one that was based on a relationship, um, with newer Vista stuff was Electric Souls, and that was it. But everything else, like writing about an eating disorder, or writing about death, or writing about, you know, like escaping to Sin City from your own personal demons, it was always very, I always found comfort in being introspective, which honestly, like, I'm just weird and like dark and creepy. I'm a very dark person internally. But mm. do you think, like, not, do you think doing it by yourself again is what is making it more introspective? I feel like it doesn't really have as much to do with me doing things by myself. I feel like it's just where I've been at, like, mentally lately. Just my personal life just has shifted to towards me, like, having a need to think about some more of the introspective things. Um, Because in the past, like, I, I have felt like the songs that I wrote where I was, like, really pissed at this one particular person, or, like, those came out a lot easier than the introspective ones. Um, so that's what most of Wave Break songs were um, back then. But I don't know. I feel like it's just because it's just where I'm at personally, I think. So. Yeah. And it's it's weird how it evolves, too, because you can be on one record, you know, like totally good and totally cool. And hey, fuck you. I'm going to write about how much I hate you. And then the next record, you're in a totally different mind space than you were, you know, less than a year ago when you released the record or whenever you start writing again. You know, it's your mindset, I think, changes from day to day, especially when you go into the studio regularly. You could go in one day and be like, well, I'm going to write about love and I'm going to write about how much I love this person. And then something bad happens and you're like, well, now I feel like I, you know, I'm losing my mind. So I need to write about that. It's, It's such a cyclical kind of process. And I haven't, I'm, I really just like started getting back into writing music lately after not writing for like, like a really long time, like probably, I don't know, like probably like six months, I guess, which is a long time for me. But, um, and now I'm looking at my headspace now and I'm like, okay, well, what is my headspace? And you have to figure it out when you go in to make a new record. It's really like, it's really therapy, honestly, yeah. but I'm excited to hear what you write because I think that. I think you're in a really different place now than you were when Armory came out. Not even anything to do with the band itself. I think just with you, like 
you know, you've experienced a lot of different facets of life since then. And Mm -hmm. a lot of different things musically and not musically. So I think that always translates to new music. And I think that honestly, like this version of wave break, I think is going to be the strongest one yet. 100% because you're in, you're in the driver's seat. It's your Mm -hmm. vision and it's your mind and it's where you're at personally. There's no need to do anything for anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely hope you're right about that. Um, <laughs> we'll definitely see how that goes when the new music comes out. But um, but yeah, I'm pretty stoked about the new stuff. Um, there's one song in particular that I I'm, I have really good feelings about that I think is going to do really well. But otherwise, like, I'm really excited to pretty much just drop the whole thing and yeah, how it goes. Because um yeah, because I'm really proud of the new stuff. There's going to be a lot of marketing around this one. So yeah. I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And do you think, um, so how do I word this question? Do you think that, do you think that excitement is a positive or a negative when gearing up to release new music? This is going somewhere. This is just the first part of the question. I'm just trying to figure out how to word it properly. Yeah. <laughs> But do you think that being excited about new music and being ready to go now that you've experienced all the other stuff that you've experienced in Wave Break with members, do you Mm -hmm. think that that is going to influence how you release this new music in terms of like, you know, being excited so you want to get music out or taking your time and just making it your own personal thing? Does that make sense? I don't know if that made any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I feel like it's going to influence it in the sense that I'm just going to want to market the hell out of it (laughs) and do like a lot of, a lot of PR, a lot of, um, advertising around it. Um, but I think in the past when I was like solo, when I was excited about music coming out, I would rush to get the music out. That's that's where my question was geared to. So I'm glad it made somewhat of sense. (laughs) Yeah, so I feel like that was part of the downfall of when I was solo because I just didn't understand the importance of making sure everything was perfect and then like taking my time to like develop a full-fledged marketing plan and roll that out. I just wanted to get the music out because I was excited about it. Um, And I feel like that definitely hurt me back when I was doing that. So I've knowing what happened back then, I feel like that's just going to influence what I do now because now I'm going to be like all right well it's not coming out until it's perfect that's right. why the album has taken so long to write in the first place because I wanted to make sure it was perfect um so I'm going to make sure it sounds great and do it justice um and then also just come up with a full marketing plan for it and really you know go um go ham on on yeah. uh, get on uh, marketing that so Yeah. And I think too, like the reason why I asked that question is because, you know, especially with members in a band, I've always experienced the feeling so excited about what you're doing that you just want everybody to hear it now. Even if it's not like, even if you're not finished recording it, I used to just take Instagram videos of, you know, Mm -hmm. of, of parts of songs. Cause I've been like, yes, this is amazing. Everyone's going to love it, but it's not even done yet. So I start to overshare to a certain point. And that kind of takes away, I feel like from the you know, the value of it when it comes out because, you know, people have already heard parts or you've teased stuff so much that it's just, everyone's like, okay, like, shut the fuck up. Where's the music? I experience that all the time. So I just, because it's like, you know, I think excitement can work, you know, to your advantage, but I think excitement can also be a downfall to some people when, you know, when they get so excited that, you know, it ends up not going the way you want it to because you got so excited. So, and I Mm -hmm. experienced that with, um, with the first Vista record and also with the last Vista record too, that record was rushed like fucking crazy. Um, and it ended up being like my least favorite thing that I was like, I was ever a part of because it was just so rushed. There wasn't the time to make sure that everything was 100% how we all wanted it to be. So mm-hmm. I That's feel like I thought that EP came out really good. The so. repair? Really? Yeah. I, I really okay. liked that. It was different. God, I hated that. I hate that record. I hate it so much. There's like parts of it that I really like, but I think for me, the, the biggest like full circle branding that was the most authentic and also the most diverse was the ruins. I felt like that record, I wouldn't change a thing about that record and everything else. I would change everything. Like I would redo everything over again versus long live, um, you know, even witch hunt at points born for blood, like those singles things I would change. But like 
the ruins, I just felt like that fully identified where we were at that time. Mm -hmm. And, and the branding too, we had, we had so many conversations about it and it's just like, I don't know. And then after that, I was so fucking excited. I was like, we got to go to the next one. And I was like, we have to release the ruin or the repair on Valentine's day. And I'm glad we did it now because of COVID. Like it would have not gotten released at all. I think if we hadn't released it then, but, but yeah, it's so interesting that you say that so many people have said that to me and I've been like, yo, I fucking can't stand that record. Some parts of it, like I love dirty laundry, that single. Um, but otherwise I'm like, yeah, I hate this. I just, I like the intro. The intro is cool. But yeah, I our own worst critics. So I know it's it's like I I think that you know when it comes to excitement, I was always a victim of excitement because I was just always if I was stoked about something, yo, I was stoked about something. I would get these feelings about songs, and I just I was very instinctual with certain stuff, and that made me so excited. I would just tell everybody everything, and that was my biggest mistake. <laughs> So that's why I asked that question, because I always wonder if other people feel like, you know, overexcitement can be a positive or negative. I think it can be both, you know? Yeah, exactly. But Yeah, and I've, I've started, I think I shared a couple behind the scenes videos in the studio on social yeah. media so far, but I'm trying not to do it too much because I don't yeah. want to overshare it, like you said. But yeah. most of the videos I've been taking, I'm, I'm just going to save for like a behind the scenes video or something later on yeah. when the he's already out. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm trying to funnel all my energy into that instead of oversharing. So hopefully. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to do it too. Cause I thought about doing the same thing and I'll be just like, you know, I'll take the videos now and then I'll compile them into something and be like, okay, well, here's what it was like in the studio after the fact, yeah. you know? but social media is such a constant flow of content. I feel yeah. like a lot of musicians feel a need to constantly update people because they're like, okay, well, if I don't, they're going to forget about me or they're going to yep. pay attention to other people. And then they're going to not remember who the hell I am when I time, when it's time to release new stuff, you know? And it's such a frustrating feeling to feel like, you know, you constantly have to share. And if you yeah. don't, well, then your engagement goes down. Your posts don't get pushed up in the feeds. It's such a cycle. Uh, it's such a toxic cycle too. I don't know yeah. if you feel that way, but I think it's just so toxic that you feel like you have to constantly share. Oh. Yeah. I definitely feel that way because, um, I personally balance a day job with yeah. music. So it's really hard to do both at the same time and also be like, well, I got to start sharing a lot more than I already am because I'm kind of slacking in that department. Right. And you're like, uh, I'm trying to fucking pay bills. I can't constantly. Exactly. It's hard. Like I can't just quit because it, that's what's paying the bills right now. So until I have a reason to actually like quit, if wave break takes off, then I'm probably going to, stay at it but it's also making it hard to make sure i'm sharing enough so i feel like i feel like um for wave break particularly it's not quite that much of a need because i've noticed that sometimes when i go mia for a little bit and then i start posting again i don't really notice a huge drop off in engagement which is weird but because i feel like most awesome though artists do see a drop off but yeah let's it seems to not be hurting me that much, but, um, we'll see. I definitely want to try and start sharing more, but it's definitely hard right now. Yeah, no, they just make it so difficult on socials. It used to be so much easier five years ago, six years ago. You could just Mm -hmm. share something and and everybody would see it. There were no algorithms. It was just whatever was the newest. And like I said, at the beginning, you and I started at, you know, doing the same stuff around the same time, you know, trying the same tactics and it was just so much easier to build up a base of people. Um, But so I have one more question and I, this is kind of a weird question. So hopefully it makes sense because I feel like (laughs) I, I have like a mouthful of thoughts at once sometimes, but is Kelly wave break or is wave break Kelly or is it a combination of both? Um, Are you wave break or (laughs) is wave break you? That's a really interesting question. Um, Hopefully it makes I, sense. I mean, I, I guess the best way I could describe it is wave break your identity or are you wave breaks identity? If that makes a little more sense. I feel like it's a little bit of both probably. I mean, wave break is definitely an extension of myself because yeah. an extension of the music I listen to the music I'm influenced by, and it's an, an, an extension of my passion. Um, but wave break is also i guess me because it's pretty much always been 
me kind of in the driver's seat, like you said. So I feel like it's a little bit of both. So I feel like if I were to start another project, I feel like it would still have elements of wave break. So I feel like it's kind of, yeah. 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 That's the best way to answer that question, honestly, because like there is no way for your projects to not be you. And Mm -hmm. also like once you're at something for a certain amount of time, it becomes your life. Like it is your child and it becomes your life for a long time. I was Vista and my identity was just, Oh, well she's hope she's in Vista and that's it. And I had no other like identity outside of it. So it's mm-hmm. impossible, I think, for your your passion and your love to not become your extra appendage. And then at yeah. some point for it to be all that people see you as, you know, yeah, that makes exactly. and for the first time ever, I'm like, you know, I'm not that identity anymore. I'm just myself. And that's, it's it's been very, like, very freeing. But, you know, I just, I always wonder that with people because, you know, not everybody feels like their project takes over their identity. They just feel like it's a part of them, but it's not all of them, you know? Yeah, exactly. But but I always felt like all of me was indulged in that, you know, and it was, you lose yourself at a certain point, but I think it's important for it to be part of you, not all of you, because, you know, you can pull back, you could take a step back, you can still be yourself while also engaging in your, in your passion. But hopefully that makes sense. I tend to like go off on tangents because my mind is like, I have a million thoughts at once. I don't know if you do too, but I have a million thoughts at the same time. Yeah, I can relate to that. It's crazy. (laughs) I wish I could just shut it off. But um, yeah, that's really, that's really all the questions I have. And I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me and being open with me. And I, I think that this has, I don't know if you agree, but I think this has been a super in-depth conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun and yeah, no. definitely a lot of great questions. I wasn't expecting you to ask. So. Listen, I everyone has said that to me so far and I'm like, listen, I'm fucking creepy, like I said earlier, and I pay attention to everything. And I have, when it comes to music, like I was talking to, um, to you know, Maggie Schneider? Yeah. I was taught from Atlanta. I was talking to her a couple weeks ago and I, it was like two weeks ago. And I was asking like these random fucking questions. And I realized as I was done, I was like, wow, like she probably thinks you're weird because you know all this stuff about her. And I'm like, in my head, I just, I don't know. I just like to see how everybody gets to their certain points. It's interesting to me. So yeah, it makes I don't it know. It's a good conversation if you're paying attention. You have in-depth questions. So I don't right. see. Wrong with I know. That. It also too, if I chatted with someone that I didn't know anything about, I feel like there wouldn't be much of a, like a rapport, you know, just be like, well, who are you? What are you doing? You know, where are you from? And I don't like to ask stuff like that. I like to really yeah. delve into who a person is and, mm-hmm. you know, how they've gotten to where they are. I think it's just, you know, yeah, exactly. what makes them them now. But all right, well, I'm going to stop going off on tangents. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Thank you so much to Kelly for being here. And if you like the podcast episode, please rate five stars, subscribe, and I will talk to you guys soon. Bye, guys.